How are you guys tonight? You're quiet out there. Was it a tough Wednesday? All right, well, let's get ready for the word. Let's get a little energy going here, amen? Father, we're excited to be in the house of God. We're excited to bring you a, a sacrifice of praise. Father, I pray that we brought you an offering that was acceptable, Lord. Father, we just want to please you, Lord. We, we have no other objective, Lord, but to just say thank you with thankful hearts tonight. So, Lord, I pray that as the word goes forth and we sift through your word and look for the pearls and the treasures, Lord, that you would allow us to find them and tuck them deep into our hearts tonight. We thank you for Matthew 24. We thank you for all the signs of the times. And even though watching them come to pass can be a little bit alarming and a little bit sad, Lord, we just look for your coming. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be alert and ready to see you crack that sky and come and take your church home, Lord. We're excited for that. But Lord, while we're here, let us be salt and light and fill us with the word and with power and with wisdom and with the Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Matthew 24, and we are going to you know, finish up 24, head right into 25 and look at some powerful parables. The parables we're going to look at in 25 are all about readiness. So uh, it's about us being spiritually ready for the coming of the Lord to be spiritually alert so we know the signs of the times and we can participate in the harvest. God wants to use us. God has given us many gifts. He's told us to be salt and to be light. You and I should bring savor and salt and uh, spice things up. Anybody spice things up when you walk into the room? Anyone, when they see you coming, what do they say? Well, they say, hey, hey, look who's there. If they say, oh, you got some work to do in your personality, because we're supposed to be salt and light, amen? So if it's the darkness groaning, that's okay. But uh, let me read to you verses 48 through 51 out of Matthew 24, and then we'll jump right in. But if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him into two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So talking about the evil servant here, the last time we were in this text, we looked at the attitudes and the attributes of someone who is a faithful servant, a faithful servant whose responsibilities that come from the Lord are met and, uh, you know, he takes seriously what the Lord's called him to do and he does what he's called to do in the sight of God. Now, faithful servants display consistency in their lives and to be faithful, you have to be consistent. Say consistent. Consistency is important. You know, we've all met people who are excited and on point and alert one day and the next day they're out of it. Have you met Christians that, you know, they're excited for Jesus for a season, they're in church for a little while, and then they disappear? Come on, Wednesday night. I'll get louder. (laughs) So 
we've seen this up and down roller coaster, emotionally driven, uh, sensually driven person and realize that the lack of consistency is their undoing. There are people with so much talent and so much ability and so much anointing that produce nothing. Why? Because they're inconsistent. And in the inconsistency, their impact is diminished. So to be a faithful servant, you've got to be consistent. You've got to heed the Lord's call. You've got to heed the call to do what God's called us to do, to preach the gospel. Amen. There's people out there waiting to hear about Jesus from your lips. So the faithful servant needed to, a couple things. Wisdom. Uh, and faithfulness. He needed to have those things in operation. We talked about wisdom and how wisdom allows us to uh, accomplish the work of God and the kingdom of God in a way that it's productive and produces spiritual fruit. The text describes the primary responsibilities of those who are called to be ministers. Remember, this, this passage is kind of speaking to those called to leadership, but it also applies to every Christian. Amen. Because we are all leaders in this world. We're all preachers in this world. We're all evangelists in this world. Man, I came to church and I found that I'm a leader. I'm a preacher. I'm an evangelist. I need a new name tag on my shirt and a new plaque on my desk. Yeah, you and I are called to reach this world. You know, how many people have we given the gospel to this week? How many people you got coming to church with you on Sunday? The pastor's great. You just got to get them here. Some of you didn't even break a smile on that one. So, you know, we got all this calling, and I'm not trying to put a burden on anybody, but I'm just trying to encourage us to do what God calls us to do so that we can be counted faithful. Now, the, the, the wisdom that is added to faithfulness is, is so important. It produces, you know, spiritual fruit, and that's an important thing. Leadership in the church... Uh, you know, has a primary responsibility. And we learned last week that it's to feed the sheep, amen? Uh, my job as a pastor is not to entertain you, not to marry you and bury you and, and you know, uh, pamper you and all that stuff. It's to produce uh, disciples that can go out and do the work of the ministry, amen? Get that. That's the purpose of the church, We've strayed so much from that purpose. We, we go to whatever church we want to go to that tickles our ears and we hop around and we go here and we go there. But the thing is, uh, the church has to produce mature disciples that are going out and preaching the gospel, amen? amen? And so God help us to do that, but that's what makes us faithful. My job is to feed you uh, the word of God in a way that you could get it into your spirit and you could apply it to your daily living. Leadership in the church should never be uh, you know, there to just raise their own status or power or control. Uh, James 3, 1 through 2 reminds us that ministers will face a stricter, stiffer judgment. And that's why the word says not many of you should be leaders, amen. We talked about, you know, people always wanting to grab titles and leadership and you go to some small churches and everybody's got a title. There's 30 people in the church, 25 of them are ministers. Some of you have been there. It's, it's, not, it's not right, because why? If God didn't lay his hand on us to uh, do the work of the ministry and we're going to face a stricter judgment, we shouldn't put ourselves in those positions. So, you know, a word to the wise is sufficient. I used to have a teacher that says, a word to the wise is sufficient for you guys. I'm going to say it three times. <laughs> That's what she used to say. So I guess we weren't too wise in seventh grade, but... 
The next five verses that we just read, they contrast the wise servant with the wicked servant. And we, we talked about the wicked servant when I read 48 through 51 there. It talks about the actions of the wicked servant, the downward spiral of his lack of service and faithfulness and, and the, the judgment that the wicked servant will receive. And it's a sobering thing. Verse 48 calls out the evil servant and the fact that God has people in his service that serve him poorly. Do you ever think about that? that God has people in his service that serve him poorly. How many times have you ever thought about who's serving God and even yourself, there's been times I've been like, God, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> you know, it's just because we make so many mistakes and we, we do things without wisdom and we have zeal without knowledge and sometimes we go off on tangents and God, you know, not everyone who serves God, not everyone who has a title, not everyone who is... A minister is serving God in a way that he could call them faithful. Uh, This text here is telling us that there are going to be some people in the kingdom that don't serve God correctly. So always respect the office. Always respect leadership. But listen to me. Don't think just because someone is a leader that they're doing it perfectly. Test the spirits. Test the spirits. Did you hear me? Use wisdom. So there are those who are going to be in God's service that are are serving him poorly. And that should give us pause because we're all capable of that. Newsflash, not everyone who says they're serving God is actually serving God. Consider Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now that has got to be the most sobering scripture of all. How many don't like reading that one? When you get to that one, you read over it fast. Right, Because you don't want to think about anybody sitting in the church or being part of the kingdom or even standing behind a pulpit not making it. But yet, that's the implication of the verse there. So there will be those who serve God poorly. There will be those in ministry who are there to just enrich themselves. They're there because of pride. They're not called of God. They're self-appointed, self-anointed. And they, they, they do a lot of stuff and they kick up a lot of dust. But in the end, if Jesus says, I never knew you, it's so interesting that uh, I, I put this message together a few weeks ago, yet what we're preaching on Sunday, I'm using some of the same scriptures because they're dovetailing together. As I'm preaching this, I'm realizing how the Holy Spirit is keying in on these things. But uh, understand, it's not going to be about our works. It's not going to be our spiritual position or title or pedigree or even our performance. In the end, it will come down whether or not we had a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and did he know us? Did he know us? Did we serve him faithfully? Did he call us and we execute that call of God on our lives? So, Please notice that the issue that makes the servant wicked begins in the heart. And that's so important to see. He says, but if that evil servant says in his heart, say heart. 
This is an issue of the heart. It's something going on in the heart. It's not just that, you know, they're ignorant or they made a mistake or they didn't get mentored well or they weren't taught right. It's people finding themselves in positions of leadership whose hearts aren't right. You know, Judas was one of the 12. Let me see that again Wednesday night. Judas was one of the 12. He walked with them, he talked with them, he ate with them, he watched Jesus do miracles, feed thousands, raise the dead, cast out devils. Judas saw all of that. So why didn't he make it? Because his heart was never right, not even from the beginning. And you know what? The the other 11 couldn't tell. But Jesus knew. And it all boils down to having a right heart and if Jesus knows us. We must be willing to let the Lord examine our hearts, to scrutinize our hearts and our thoughts and our attentions, and then accept his correction when he corrects us. You know, you look at what we're studying on Sunday. Jesus has an issue with five out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and he says to them very bluntly, I have this against you. We don't don't think of Jesus coming to us like that. Sobering, isn't it? Now, I don't want to get too serious. I want a few of you to come back next week. (laughs) But, you know, King David understood this principle very well about letting the Lord search his heart. And it allowed David to find forgiveness and even restoration over sins that would have destroyed most everyone else. Tom, think about what David did, adultery, and then murder to hide it. That would be enough to destroy almost anyone's soul and shipwreck their faith. Yet somehow, someway, David allowed the Lord to scrutinize and examine his heart, and he found forgiveness and restoration. It's a powerful thing. Listen to Psalm 139, 23 through 24, David speaking. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a good way to pray, church. That's a good way to come before the Lord. Amen. Sometimes we forget, you know, to come before the Lord with meekness and in repentance and, you know, in transparency so that he can search us and know us. God, take a look at my heart. You know, I think it's pretty good, but what do you think? God, search my thoughts. I think my motives are good and pure, but tell me what you think. Wow. David understood this principle that it's a hard issue and it's being known that would allow, you know, him to survive sins that would have destroyed most. Listen to Psalm 51, 9 through 11. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, David said. Listen to verse 10, so beautiful. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Look at that. Recreate. Let me be born again. Uh, Put a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew what was important even in the depths of his sin. He didn't say save my kingdom. He didn't say restore my dignity. He didn't say hide my sin from my enemies. He said, no, create in me a clean heart. Restore me. Come on. This is it here. It's about heart issues. So this wicked servant, he says, the evil servant says in his heart, as verse 48 continues, it reveals to us the exact heart issue that made this servant wicked. He said, my master is delaying his coming. 
Now, that was the issue because he was only willing to behave and do the right thing if there was going to be instant oversight and accountability. But if he had some space, his heart wasn't right, so he was going to act out what was in his heart because there was nobody watching him. Do you know in ministry... uh, in, in, in almost 30 years here, I've seen so many people keep their act together until somebody in their life is removed or passes away. And then all of a sudden, those things that restrained them because they weren't really keeping it together because they wanted to please God. They just didn't want to do those things in front of their parents or their mother or their father or their mentor because they didn't want to be humiliated. But the minute that person was gone, they went wild. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. We've got to look at our hearts. We've got to let the Lord search him. And we've got to find out, are we living to please him? Or are we just keeping it together because we don't want to be embarrassed by pleasing others? My master is delaying his coming. This servant was only willing to do the right things when he was closely supervised. When his master wasn't watching him, he had no desire to do things that were expected of him. We all know people like this. In school, when the teacher's in the room, they're perfect little angels. But when the substitute walks in, devils. (laughs) On the job, when the boss is there, boy, they're busy little beavers, aren't they? But when the boss is gone, they're goofing off, messing around, distracting others, not only not doing their work, slowing everybody else down. Anybody had any of those? When the pastor's around, they keep the jokes clean. Hide the beer, the pastor's here. (laughs) You see, (laughs) we've got to be good and behave and do the right things because he's watching all the time, amen? We're... Think about it, the foolishness of thinking, well, people aren't going to see. Now I can just go a little crazy. He sees everything. We're naked before him. We can't can't hide. Well, I'll turn the lights off. He sees in the dark. God has night vision. Newsflash. It's really easy to get preoccupied with living life and forget that we're here to first serve the purposes of God. You and I are here to be in love with Jesus and serve the purposes of God, amen? Let me say it again. You and I are here to be in love with Jesus and serve the purposes of God. We've got to remember that every second of the day. It's not to build our portfolio. It's not to amass wealth. It's not to, you know, build ourselves a kingdom. No, this is all going to pass away. And it's only a short time that we're here. And listen, the the person who is the wisest servant of all just pleases the Lord and accomplishes his will and fulfills his calling and falls into his arms at the end of a short life and lives eternity in blessed peace. So it's real easy to get preoccupied with all the distractions that are around us and to forget our purpose and, you know... When we do that, it is the proverbial slippery slope because the more we get entangled in the world, the harder it is to get disentangled from the world. First, we stop watching for Jesus' coming. Then we stop expecting him to return at any time soon. And then we lose our fear of him and stop doing the things he requires of us. And finally, we default to pleasing our flesh and going back into the world. What I just described to you is the downward spiral of a servant whose heart is not right with the Lord. 
And that's exactly what this guy did. He, he didn't, you know, he didn't think his master was returning anytime soon. So what? He, he stopped looking for his coming. And then he defaulted to what was in his heart, which was not to please his master, but to please himself. And we're going to see that he goes right into all kinds of debauchery and, and, and neglect and even abuse of his office. Verse 49 shows us the kind of behavior that's at the bottom of the slippery slope. You know, we always hear about the slippery slope. What, what happens when you slide all the way to the bottom? Well, it's not a good place to be. It's a place where the flesh has dominion and all kinds of uh, disgraceful things happen at the bottom of the slippery slope. This guy didn't look anymore for his master's coming and he slipped right back down into his carnality. And the first thing he does is it says he begins to beat his fellow servants. Think about that. Here's a guy who was probably just and Looked like he was dignified, looked like he had a right heart until the master was gone, didn't seem like he was coming back. And so the first thing he does is he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. Let's talk about this a little bit. So this beating of his fellow servants. When a leader loses their fear of God, they will be tempted to leverage their position over others and exploit them for their own gain. If you see a leader that abuses people, if you see a leader in the world or in the church or wherever that takes advantage of others, that looks down on others, that uses others for their own benefit, they have lost the fear of God. They can call themselves a Christian. They can say they're just. They can say they're appointed. They're anointed. They can have a title. But listen to me. If they abuse other people, they've lost their fear of God. This guy never would have did any of this if the master was there because he wasn't watching. He defaulted to what was in his heart and he abused others. Kings throughout history treat their subjects horribly and tax them and starve them and use them for war and conquest. Come on, do you know history? Government officials that enrich themselves and live lives of privilege at the ease and expense of those who elected them to represent them. Do you see the way our representatives live? I hope somebody's waking up. It's almost too late. Church leaders who demand those that they're called to serve to serve them instead like royalty. I've been around the block. I've seen a lot of things. Some things I, that I wouldn't even tell any other people. But... Let me tell you, sometimes ministry can get infected and uh, people don't act like servant leaders anymore. They start to act like royalty. And they got to have people drive them around and carry their bags and do this for them and do that for them like they're some sort of king. It's not servant leadership. It's not biblical leadership. It's not godly. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and showed us an example. In any place of leadership that we are, find ourselves in, any place of leadership we have, whether as husbands and wives, parents in the home, in the church, uh, we should always remember we are servant leaders and that we will face a stricter judgment. Listen to what Colossians uh, 4, 1, 1 says here. It says, Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you have a master in heaven. The way we treat people, the way we judge people, the way we view people, God says the way we judge others or the way we treat others, that's the way we're going to be treated. 
Well, I'm in charge. Well, somebody's in charge of you. Well, I'm the boss here. Someday we're all going to stand before the boss and give an account for how we treated others. Now, I know this doesn't apply to any of you here, just for the people that didn't make it tonight. But the second thing he does is it's even worse. I mean, he's beating people. He's abusing his power. He's leveraging his authority to exploit others. Horrific. But then he begins to eat and drink with drunkards. Once a leader loses their fear of God and the sense that they need to maintain a high level of dignity, they'll begin to keep poor company. Look who this guy begins to hang out with. He's not hanging out with other leaders. He's not hanging out with people above him. You know what? The wisest thing we can do in life is, is, is get around people who are a little bit above us, a little bit older, a little bit smarter, a little bit more battle-worn, amen? If, if all we do is fall to the lowest common denominator, take a look at the friends you surround yourself with. That They're going to put a lid over your growth. This guy fell to the lowest common denominator. He didn't get around better leaders. He didn't get around godly people. He didn't get around, you know, more seasoned uh, leadership. No, he defaults to the bottom of the barrel, and he begins to hang out and eat and drink with drunkards. Who we eat with says a lot about us. Why? Because we eat with those that we identify with and that we're comfortable around. This guy's heart is showing. He was comfortable around people who were in folly, who were, you know, in debauchery, who were drunkards, and he felt comfortable around them, so he ate with them. If I ate and palled around and socialized with people in the mafia, hey, hey, there goes Pastor Rick with the Gambino crime family. Look, there he is. Wouldn't that cast a little light on me as a man, a little shadow on me as a man of God? What's he doing? Right? Who we hang around with says something. If I just rode around with, you know, outlaw biker gangs all the time, there goes Pastor Rick. Oh, he's with, he's with the pagans. Look at him go. Every time a motorcycle goes by, is that, is that him? <laughs> so who we eat with, who we identify with says something about us. And 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul talking to the Corinthian church, he's saying, who you hang around with shows who you are, and it shows where your heart is at. Now, look, I'm not saying don't be around sinners because we're supposed to be salt and light, amen? I'm just saying don't compromise yourself uh, to the point where they can't tell the difference between the saint and the sinner anymore. Okay, half an amen, I'll keep moving. One implication we should miss here is the idea that uh, those places, uh, you know, he's talking about this guy's in a a leadership position here, and he is in the state of drunkenness. Now, I want to say something this. All Christians, especially those in leadership, should never cross the line of drinking to the point of drunkenness. Let me say that again. Christians, let me say it plain, Christians should never be drunk. The Bible doesn't say thou shall not drink. And anyone who tries to make it say thou shall not drink is twisting the scripture. And if they'll twist that scripture, they'll twist other ones, so I don't want to hear anything they have to say. It doesn't say thou shall not drink, but it says you should, we should never be drunk. And if we can't handle drink and we cross that line into drunkenness, then we should abstain, period. But... 
this guy here, he's crossed the level of not only, you know, did he slip across the line, he's staying in that state. He's dwelling with drunkards. He's in a state of drunkenness, and it's a shame. First Timothy 3 eight says, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money. To have any sort of leadership in the church, you can't be in this realm where you're given to much wine in, in drunkenness. You look at Titus, it says here, for an overseer as a steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunken or violent or greedy for gain. The qualifications for leadership say that leaders should never be drunk. They should not be given a much wine. Yet this guy is hanging around with these people who are drunk all the time. It's a shame. It's a shame for us to do those things that the word says we shouldn't. Verse 50 is a guarantee grounded in the omniscience and the justice of God. He says this, for this guy, as he's doing this, listen to what God is saying, I'm guaranteeing this. Why? Because I'm admission and I, I, I'm just and I know the times and the season. He says the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of. God will watch that wicked servant and he'll be, he'll be watching him. He's like, oh, yeah, he has no idea. Uh, now he's, not, he's totally not ready. Now, now's when I'm coming. God can do that. Oh, no, 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 I'll, I, I, I'll notice something. I'll, no, you won't. You see, we've got to live right, and we've got to live tight, and we've got to live ready. The next three parables we're going to look at in chapter 25 are all about readiness. And if we think we're going to pull it all together at the last minute, like that term paper you had to write in 10th grade, you're going to do it the night before, it's not going to work out. You say, how do you know? Because God says, I'll come when you're not ready. And he can do that. Verse 51 is sobering. It, it's sort of so graphic that I don't even, I don't even know how to, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to, how to pitch this one, so I'm just going to read it. <laughs> and will cut him in two and appoint him with his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, to, to cut someone in two... Completely undone. Uh, you know, the stiff neck shall be destroyed suddenly and without remedy. I can't think of any quicker destruction than being cut in half, cut off. Wow. And there's other implications in there. Uh, oh, Graham, what? I'll appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Here's someone that was claiming to be a Christian, had a calling of God, was put in a, a, a position of leadership, yet they were so unfaithful and so wicked that their only recourse is to be what? Cut in half and sent with the hypocrites. There it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that, that is an indication of hell. Where do they weep and gnash their teeth? In hell in the abyss of the damned for those who rejected God. It's a sobering thing here to think that there are those who sit in churches, those who stand behind pulpits, those who claim to be Christians, say they're serving God, but they're not. You and I need to let the Lord examine our hearts. Now, I know it's sobering, and I know it'll get our attention, but that's good. That's good. Pastor, why do you have to preach on stuff like this? Well, I can't just skip it. We're going through the chapter. And number two, we need to hear it because it straightens us up. 
you know, sometimes we just need to straighten up a little bit. You ever, you ever have just, you know, the fear of the Lord come on you and you just want to tighten everything up? <laughs> Woo! You might be just a little indiscretion, a little sloppiness, a little laziness. But it's good for us to tighten up because the time is short and the day is at hand and he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle and we want to be ready. We don't want to be the wicked servant. We want to be the faithful servant. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, I thank you for the word that sobers us up. I thank you for text in scripture that put the fear of God in us because we need it, Lord. I need it. We should fear you and we should reverence you and we should respect you and not get even close to any of these lines. Father, I pray that we would allow you to search our hearts and allow you to recalibrate the trajectory of our lives if we're going off course. Father, that we would learn to get transparent before you, to come before you with uh, hearts that say, Lord, if I need to be corrected, correct me. If I need to change, change me. If I need to repent, I repent. Help us, Lord God, to be ready and to watch for your coming, Lord, and to be faithful servants using wisdom, being salt and light, expanding the kingdom, preaching the gospel, and being a blessing to everyone around us. Lord, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Father, and I do pray for those who have lost sight of you, who don't think you're coming back and have just lost their fear of you and they're in the church and they're behind pulpits and they're, they're, they're leaders, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would be merciful and wake us up. Bring purity to the body. Take out the spots and the wrinkles and make us all ready that none of us would miss it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him praise tonight. Amen.